In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents He's in the Afternoon Tea with host Sammy Sage. Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor. Presented by the Betches Sub Podcast. You better hope there's a lot of girls listening to this with the volume turned down. Your weekly dose of political therapy. Cardi, that's what I've been doing my whole life. And now, with this week's guest. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Your host, Sammy Sage. Welcome to today's episode of Afternoon Tea, your companion to the morning announcements and weekly political therapy session brought to you by The Betches Sup. Today's guest is M. Schultz, co-creator and co-host of the award-winning comedy podcast, And That's Why We Drink, about true crime and the paranormal. M is here to tell us about their experience and connection to the paranormal and how they came to host a hit podcast about it, as well as clearing up some misconceptions about the process of coming to understand one's own gender identity. With that, let's get the tea from M. Welcome, Em. It is so great to be speaking to you. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for uh, having me. I, I've I've recently left quarantine for the first time, and so I'm trying to relearn how to socialize. So um, I'm going to take this as a, a test, a social okay. test. We can practice because I'm also I'm also working on the same. We're all rusty. It's okay. Yeah. So <laughs> first of all, happy Pride. We're recording a little before Pride, but this is coming out during Pride. <laughs> Well, happy Pride to you. Or do you, you. Do, you, do you fall under the Rainbow Mafia anywhere? No, but you could call me an ally. I, I Or I hope, I don't want to label myself as an ally, but I would hope to be to be able to be an ally. <laughs> yeah. You're just a good pal, I see. <laughs> yeah, just a good pal. But yeah, so I, because it is, it is Pride Month, I've been trying to to ask all of our our interviewees what was your favorite pride that you've celebrated like either which year or which like moment something just like what's your best hmm you know i well so my first pride i went to was in la and it was okay but big crowds scare me um and so i've actually realized that my favorite pride moments are kind of when I've clocked other queers in public and we've become friends by accident. Um, I've also felt very safe. My favorite pride moments are, uh, my favorite consistent pride moment is I, every Thursday before COVID, I would go to drag bingo. And so it always felt nice to be in those little spaces where I (laughs) I wasn't alone and I was uh, not the minority. So I've always felt, you know, really touched by those spaces but pride itself uh i just it wasn't my thing so i i embrace the tinier little moments i hear you totally so i also have a fear of crowds what's what's your fear of crowds what's my yeah my fear of crowds i actually didn't i don't know if it's a claustrophobia or it's once i moved to the city and so i'm 
just more aware of how inconvenient it is to even get to the crowd. And then I have a horrible time, like just the traffic and all the logistics of it annoy me, but also like not to make this a dark thing, but you know, it with so many, uh, with, with gun rights being, uh, something that we need to address as a country, <laughs> I get very terrified in a uh, big spaces, especially, uh, I'm lucky in LA, but I actually am from Virginia and I always got nervous when I was in, uh, if I tried to go to like a queer meetup or something there and I just never knew how things would go. So yeah, not no, to make I it totally dark. No, but. <laughs> not to get totally dark, but we are going to get, we are going to get into some dark places Perfect. with your podcast, but no, I'm totally with you on the crowd thing, similar reasons. But um, the reason I asked is because I read in the pop culturalist that you are a Grateful Dead fan. Which I also I am. am a Grateful Dead fan. And Do you have a favorite song? Jack Straw is my favorite song. What about you? Uh, I like Uncle John's band. Love and, that. Uh, I'll leave it there. Otherwise, I'm going to tangent. So You're, I'll you say Uncle John's band. You can feel free to tangent. But so, yeah, no, I definitely struggle with the crowds in those in those um scenarios but you know i'll stick to my spotify playlist maybe <laughs> well i uh, fair enough and i when i was younger i well i was raised by deadheads is why me, I, me too well, that's, <laughs> that's why i got happens. into it it's i don't think there's another way to be infiltrated into or uh, uh inducted into that space right it's a hereditary um, thing yeah it's just like kind of like trauma at this point yeah <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, so I actually used to love crowds as a kid because I was a big like warp tour person and, uh, you know, big live festivals like that. But also, again, I think that came from the lack of empathy towards my parents in terms of convenience. I didn't care that they had to drive me two hours and then sit in the car while I had a good time. And then all of a sudden I had to drive myself places where there were crowds. And I was like, I'm already not feeling this, especially when, uh, the the roles reversed the tables turned because after all the years of my mom driving me to music festivals when i was a kid she recently went to coachella and i wasn't invited but wow. i had to drive her and i live in la palm springs is three hours from me on a good day and so i she came to visit me in la and then i had to drive her three hours to palm desert and then sit in the hotel while she had a good time at Coachella That's and she was so like funny. this is just for everything you've ever done to me so so your mom is your mom is cool she goes to Coachella they she was the per she was the first person to break in the medic tent uh at Coachella she uh partook in a little too much if you catch my drift so, oh. <laughs> so she's a little too cool I think so she so she knows how to have a good time she knows how to, she grew up in New York uh, in the 80s during like the real party scene and she was uh, social. Let's just put it that way. She, social. She knew people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So, okay, yeah. we're going to go, we're going to go back to the dark a little bit. Oh, great. We were having too much fun up here. We have yeah, to really no, bring we're, it We'll down. get back there. Don't worry. We'll get back there. <laughs> we're going on a journey. So you host a <laughs> podcast about true crime and the paranormal. and. That is obviously, I mean, definitely an interesting, a very specific interest. Mm -hmm. I mean, though many people share it, and I would include myself in that. So where did you get that? Like, what? where did your passion for that come from? Whew. Well, so I cover the paranormal side. My co-host is more uh, fascinated by true crime than I am. And so one of the magical parts of our show is that we teach each other our, our own passions. So I would say I really 
only have ever had a true interest in the paranormal um, before the podcast got kicking. And uh, it started when I was seven. You usually give that answer. Seven is the first uh, paranormal experience I remember in detail having. I had other experiences before that, but um, when I was seven, it was the first time I saw a ghost. And it was my grandfather. What did it look like? It was my grandfather. So it looked a lot like him. Um, he had, he had passed a week before and he, I guess, was kind of making his rounds for the family to say goodbye to everybody. Um, I give him an A for creativity because every person had a different experience. So someone saw him in pictures. Another person saw him in their dreams. Another person, he like left a a little trinket in in a closet where it shouldn't have been. Um, I was the lucky one who got to see him in real time um and did he look ghost-like like the way that he the way that they would in a movie solid he looked solid he looked okay. like like he was like grandpa was just in town okay um but i give the caveat that so he came to visit me when i was sleeping um and the room was dark so i really just got a his silhouette and i and maybe like the light kind of hitting him where i knew enough that it was him but i didn't get a really good look and plus i was very tired because he woke me up from my sleep and I was seven. So um, (laughs) ghosts will do that. (laughs) Ghosts will do that. Well, I, I I like to think that because I was younger, I was more uh, open, open, open to seeing him or if, if it were anyone else who were older and had been taught like what's real and what's not, maybe it wouldn't have been as easy for him to access them the way that he could with me. So I remember him sitting on the bed And I woke up and he was just sitting there and uh, smiling. And some people might think, oh, a man sitting on your bed smiling at you is pretty creepy. But (laughs) there was something, uh, I'm a big believer that uh, spirits are really good at um, manipulating the energy or the the environment around you to make you feel however they want you to. And I definitely felt completely at peace, didn't even bat an eye. I was like, oh, there's my dead grandpa. And I didn't even think about it. And the next morning when I woke up, even my mom says I was really weird. I was saying words that I didn't know yet. I was just kind of acting odd. Um, but after that day, I always told her I wanted to grow up and be a ghost hunter. So, wow, it worked. It worked out a little bit. I get to at least talk about ghosts. So. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. So do you ever encounter people who, I mean, I'm sure you must, like who dismiss 
the paranormal, the existence of ghosts? Like, how do you react to such dismissal? My own girlfriend. Are you kidding me? My own girlfriend. Okay. Okay. What, yeah. What's that like? Which <laughs> it's not great to be honest. Um, especially because one of my like, uh, I wrote. I was one of those people like wrote a list of what I want in a partner, and at the top was like a big believer in the spooky stuff. And then she walked in, and I was like, well. I guess this list is not going to uh, get 100% accuracy. Right. Uh, she is not completely closed off to it, but she's very, she tries to think very critically of like, well, what could that have been? Versus me, who I'm like ready Duh. to like. It was ghost. Yeah. Like, are you not kidding? Are you kidding? That was Casper, a thousand percent. It's okay, but I... I feel like I can only tell her so much while keeping her interest before I've just like completely uh, derailed and she's like, okay, well now we're like in fantasy land. So I have the perk of having a lot of friends who are interested in this kind of stuff, my co-hosts included. And so I usually run to them for the more fantastical uh, part of the storytelling. How did you actually meet your co-host and decide to do this podcast? We uh, actually, we knew each other in grad school, but uh, it took us a year and a half to become friends. Um, not that we were enemies at first or anything like that, although that would be I was going to ask. Cool I was like, okay, so were they enemies first or was it just like a casual acquaintance thing? It would be a wonderful origin story to have started like at the complete bottom of friendship and yeah. just worked our way up into liking each other. But uh, no, we... It's interesting. Our, so we went to grad school in Boston for uh, TV, for television, and um, we there was only 15 of us. So we saw each other all the time. But those 15 people kind of built like three different circles of friends. Um, and we just didn't ever run into each other, hmm. which is also funny because we lived right across the street from each other, like door to door. If I was looking across the street, it was her apartment from my apartment. And it's just it's one of those funny hindsight moments of like, wow, the universe really kept throwing us into each other's way. It's like, I you used to, need to meet each other. Yes, I used to follow her to school because I didn't know how to get to our campus the first couple of weeks. And so I would wait until the girl with glasses would leave the building and I knew she was in my class, so I just follow her. So I mean, like there were That's so many hilarious. times where we, we overlapped and it just never happened. But when we got out here um, to LA, all of our friends that we made in Boston ended up moving back home and we were alone. And so out of complete necessity and desperation for friendship, I reached out to her and I was like, I, do you want to hang out? I guess we're like, uh, you're all I know. So, yeah. um, and I invited with her. the glasses who I used to follow rather than exactly. check out Google maps. <laughs> Yeah, one would think GPS was available to me, but I really ran with the <laughs> right. just being as creepy as possible. Um, but so I, I asked her, there, it happened to be fall, and I was like, oh, there's like this harvest festival thing happening. Would you want to go with me? Um, and it was like an hour away, so there was a good hour of awkward small talk on the oh, way there. Oh, wow. It hadn't even begun I yet. I would have and we checked were <laughs> out just based on that alone. Like, I never would have gone somewhere an hour away with I, you know, I don't know why I chose that or offered it to yeah. her or why she said yes, but I think we both realized that there's nobody else we know for uh, on this entire side of the country. So we right. just kind of have to white knuckle it. Um, and the comfort level from like, you see someone a lot. 
Uh-huh. There's like yeah, an the innate pro- comfort. There's a proximity effect somewhere, yeah. I think. But uh, we ended up actually having a really good time and, you know, the conversation stayed pretty consistent. But when we got to the Harvest Festival, we ended up on a tractor ride, aka we were stuck sitting next to each other with nothing else to do but talk. And that was when we, our friendship really thrived because we started talking about kind of spooky things and followed each other on Twitter. And I realized she was funny. She realized I was probably a little also funny. And uh, she asked me if I listen to any podcasts. And I said, what's a podcast? Oh, wow. And, which, again, the universe was just probably laughing at us. But um, she introduced me to some of her, the podcast she listened to, which were all spooky themed. And uh, within, by the end of that day, I would say we knew that there was a solid friendship there and we started hanging out all the time and we bonded over these podcasts she recommended. Cause she'd be like, Oh, have you caught up on this one yet? And so our friendship really started early talking about spooky adjacent podcasts. And within a couple months of it becoming the norm to see each other all the time, I was like, let's just, we already talk about this stuff anyway. Let's just put a microphone in front of our faces and see what happens. I love that. Not just because, you know, you became hosts, but because I feel like it's hard for people to make friends, especially when they're in a new place. And to hear that you, you know, you you pushed past the awkward hour (laughs) in the car on the way. And like when, you know, a real friendship can come out of a, an uncomfortable pairing it's a very uncomfortable pairing and also what i also think was one of the real um significant selling points of our show uh is that we didn't know each other we'd only we knew each other for two months or so and just we're still kind of in that small talk phase of we like being around each other and this you know it's nice to be in company whether or not i really know the person but when we decided to start a podcast one of the magical parts of it, I think, that a lot of listeners enjoyed was they got to watch us become friends. So from the very beginning, basically any conversation we had, we we would wait until we had a microphone in front of us. I would show up at our house, then we would turn on the equipment, and then we would start talking. So almost every conversation we had for the first year of our friendship is documented for people to listen in on and learn all of the weird quirks about each other, and they get to watch us you know, fall in platonic love with each other. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I try to um, save some commentary for recording. I'll, I'll admit to that. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice to know that you've you got it. like a, a log somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I haven't spoken for two hours. <laughs> um, so what is your, um? what's your like favorite paranormal thing to, to talk about, to think about? Mm. Yeah. Uh. We talk. Well, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, but one of my favorite topics is Zach Bagans of famed Ghost Adventures, um, because he is a very over the top ghost rock star. <laughs> and a, a lot of times when I'm doing my own research, it I end up watching Ghost Adventures to give more information on the story. And Zach Bagans has become quite a a main character of our show just because we bring him up almost every other episode. Um, and we have a little history with him because apparently he's blocked my co-host on Twitter a few times. So, and we don't even know why, but, um, so we, we, we play it off on the show that we just have like this, like mortal rivalry, rivalry with him. Um, in terms of paranormal, in terms of paranormal topics, um, I really like talking about the haunted dolls, um, that we've covered. 
uh, there's one, two in particular that we don't even say the names of because apparently they're so haunted that to mention them is uh, a health concern. Uh, they're the only they're the only two episodes I've ever done that came with content warnings because I had to say the name at least for a second for people to know what we were talking about. And we got all these emails of people getting in car accidents, listening to the episode, having like migraines, having nosebleeds. They like, Oh, hey, don't say the name. No, no, no. I won't because anytime we've even kind of joked about it after the fact, our audio got like messed up later and we lost files. So I'm not going to do this to you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's, we got to get away from this. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Okay, so it is, I will admit, it is pretty interesting that, you know, you had this experience when you were younger. You say to your mom, you want to be a ghost hunter and mm-hmm. now you sort of through this person you had known pr- on the periphery, now this is your, actually your job in a in, in, in a way. You know, you're not it quite is. a ghost hunter, but you know, a ghost hunting podcast is, is very close. So yeah. yeah, that is really amazing. I was going to ask you um, if you had known what you wanted to do and what you were younger, because um you know, obviously, for Pride Month, we wanted I wanted to talk to you about gender identity and the role that gender has played mm. in sort of your self-discovery. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like, how did you how did that kind of contribute to where you are now? Ooh, um, you know, I will say that also, this is my I like to give this disclaimer also, because a lot of people like to decide for me uh, how I identify and I've never actually publicly come out as anything yet. So that's part of it's actually part of my answer to your question is that I think one of the uh, part of my journey so far has also been kind of a blessing for the podcast, because apparently I'm not the only person who's incredibly confused and uh that has helped a lot of people. Um, we've had listeners reach out uh, either online or whenever we've done tours, there's always at least one or two people at the meet and greets who will say like, thank you for, 
you know, letting me know that it's okay to just not know what the fuck is going on. Um, and I've also had uh, parents of queer people say that I'm the reason that they're able to, you know, walk through this with their kids. So um, I think that in that way, my uh, self-discovery or my lack thereof so far um, has definitely helped the show because there's so many, our, our demographic, a huge demographic of our show are queer people. Um, and so I think it's kind of an interesting view. Usually when you see people you quote, look up to, or at least insert in your life, whether it's podcast or TV or whatever, they already have a label set in stone, but it's very rare you find somebody who is openly confused and openly questioning. And uh, so I'm, I'm very proud of getting to be that for people. Right. That is that is so true. I think it is so important because it shows people that like it's okay if you're in mm -hmm. if you don't know or you don't have you know, you aren't sure what your pronouns are. You aren't sure what right. you want them. You know, maybe, you know, or there's a there's a space between figuring it out for yourself and then, you know, obviously putting it out there in the world. So how did you how did you, I guess, come to just like come to even discover that you were confused how did how did the how did the insanity begin? Um, yeah. So I I came out. Well, I always knew I only liked women. That was um, that was never in question. That was that, and that actually makes my my gender experience even more confusing because I on the sexuality end of it, I am so affirmed and so in agreement with myself. So the reason that I'm, I question my gender so often is because I'm like, well, if this was so clear cut for me, why isn't this so clear cut? So like, that makes me think like there's some sort of gray space I'm living in, like what, what's going on. Um, but I, I always knew since I was at least three or four, um, that's as far, that's my earliest memory of having a crush on a girl. Um, I came out officially when I graduated high school. Um, I told myself as a kid, uh, I'll come out when I leave for college. Um, that was always the plan because I wanted to do it before college because if I brought home a girlfriend, I had heard the phrase forever, like, oh, it's just a phase, which like right. in the 90s and early 2000s, that was like all parents yeah. could fucking say about it. Totally. Uh, and so they were like, oh, it's just a phase. I knew when I left for college or if I, you know, wherever I ended up after high school, when I brought a girl home, I didn't want anyone ever thinking it was a phase. I wanted to like stop it in advance and be like, no, no, this is what you can expect from now on. Right. Um, Pretty smart way of thinking about it. Yeah. I had, I had many years to ponder, so, yeah. <laughs> but I had the plan uh, in motion uh, or at least I, I knew that that would be the plan, but I came up with that plan when I was in like middle school. So I had a lot of years to avoid having to think about it. Um, and then I turned 18 or I was turning 18 right in, in the same week that I was graduating high school. And I was like, oh, shit, I haven't told anyone. I need to get on that. Like, I need to. Oh, you're like, my <laughs> deadline. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I've been really uh, procrastinating on this. And now, like, I have to do it this week. Like, no pressure. <laughs> and so I ended up telling everybody. And I was really lucky um, that everyone in my main circle had a, no problem with it, um, which I did not expect. Uh, and so when I came out as gay, um, I always knew even then that the word lesbian felt wrong um, it, because I think it was just really feminizing or I, 
anytime I ever heard someone refer to me as miss or as a woman or she or whatever it is, um, I just knew that that gendered language was made me really uncomfortable. And so I always just kind of said gay as a, a universally understood phrase. It, it right. also felt kind of more gender neutral. Um, and I don't think I, so part of being gay or, you know, queer at all uh, 20 years ago and in the South, uh, I was a really late bloomer in terms of dating and uh, physical activity with someone I was interested in um, because you just didn't tell anyone you did that. So there was no way of finding out if other people around you were like also into that. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and so I didn't actually get to be with anybody until college. And that was when I realized that there was something quote wrong or off about my gender. Um, because it was the first time another person was coming at me <laughs> and like <laughs> trying to like, you know, grab on me and, uh, and I, no one had ever done that before. So I never had to think about it. I just thought like, oh, I'm just gay. And that's, that's all, that's all, that's where my worries end. And, uh, and I also used to, you know, just try to ignore thinking about my body, but in my mind, the way I had, uh, I had justified it, I guess, because trans wasn't a, a word then gender wasn't a concept. So for me, I was just so gay i wanted to be a guy or i wanted to come across as masculine and mm -hmm. in my head i just justified it as oh i'm just really fucking gay like i'm just so beyond like holy crap gay <laughs> and uh i think it was also because as a kid i knew that boys are supposed to like girls and so in my head i was like oh that's why i want to be a boy or why i think of myself as more masculine because they get to be with girls and so it just I thought it that way at six years old and then just never thought about it again. Um, but when I started meeting trans people in college and realized that gender was something to think about, and also now girls are trying to do stuff with me and I have to address my issues with my body, um, that was when I realized something else was going on and I still haven't totally figured it out. I mean, it's really amazing how far you've come just at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, that's really, that's really awesome. So you grew up in the South and you said mm -hmm. no one like, quote, had a problem with you coming out. But right. there's, I think, a big gap between like having no problem and having like real genuine support. Did yeah. you did you feel that you had that like either from your family or like close friends? Shockingly. <clears throat> so, yes, there's a huge difference between tolerating and uh, totally accepting and condoning and supporting and all this. And uh, when I came out as gay, it was, I came out in 2009, 2010. My, the first time I really came out to someone is, was in 2006. And uh, it, I came out when I was 14. I came out to one person at 15. So 2006 to 2010 was when all my coming outs happened the first round at least. And, uh, I think be back then, I think it was like cool to have a gay friend. I think that was like the new rage, like everyone knew someone who was gay. And so I didn't feel any, 
I didn't feel any homophobia in that way. I, there were like little microaggressions because we were all learning, but I, I didn't feel any animosity from somebody. Um, uh, I think everyone was like, oh, finally, I've, I've got one, you know? <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> in terms of like having a gay friend. It's hard so, to get one in the South. So. <laughs> I, it, it is. It is. And so uh, That's their own I fault. think, <laughs> and so I, I felt, uh, I felt very embraced and very welcomed by the people who mattered. Um, and so after, so I didn't really, I had a really lucky coming out experience. I was really stressed about it for years, but when it happened, I had a really wonderful experience, which is kind of what made coming out a second time really wild for me because I just assumed, Hey, everyone was really cool with it the first time. Like I have no reason to think there's an issue. And like, now the cool thing is to like have a trans friend. So like, we all know, like, so like, maybe I'll just like hit that mark again. You're like, I'm um, here guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, remember when I made you look cool 10 years ago? Well, I'm back at it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I tricked myself into thinking that people would be just as accepting. And I actually got a lot of pushback from a handful of people that were totally fine with me being gay, but I guess gender was too new of a concept for them to wrap their head around or, um, and so that it was really hard, not only getting pushback from people that I love, but feeling tricked or betrayed because they were so wonderful the first time and would have fought to the death to defend me. It's like, why can't they do it now? And uh, it's just a, another wonderful moment, uh, a PSA for people that transphobia does exist in welcoming circles, just in case people were wondering. So, yeah. um, so that's been a current, a constant struggle since I started coming out to people. Um, when was that? Five years ago now. Um, and it's still something I have to deal with. There are still some people who can't uh, come to terms with it. So. I'm very sorry about that. That is like, that's very challenging. But sure um, is. yeah, but I mean, we're, I honestly, I, you really have a lot to be proud of. Um, Thank you. And I'm wondering if you, if you have ever taken stock of what you are kind of most proud of yourself for accomplishing. No, I oh. haven't. Um, I that's a great question. I don't really. I definitely don't take time to. Uh, think about what I've accomplished. I don't know. I usually think of the, I should, you're right. You're, yeah. I, I definitely think of like, um, I don't think of it as a general, oh, look where I am today from, you know, since childhood. But usually the only time I ever look at what I've accomplished is when I'm comparing it to a, a, a time where I wasn't in the best place. So like I, in college, I had a really nasty relationship and uh, be, and so I'll look at myself today based on that, but it has to be, there has to be some sort of negative, uh, memory for me to reflect on in order to even think about where I am. So. Okay. Hmm. That makes sense. Wow. Mirror held a mirror up to me. I really should, uh, just yeah. be more proud of myself. I want to know what you're, what you're excited about for yourself. But, um, if you could, if you could talk to, you know, your younger self, what would you, what would you have told your younger self? Ooh. <laughs> um, I know I'm getting like real philosophical here. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those questions where I should have an answer like at the ready and I just never do. Like there are some, how many words do I get? Like As if, many like, as you want. Oh my goodness. You're uh, like, I wanted fewer. 
No, I just, there's, there's so many categories of my life. I'd like to like warn them about, like, <sighs> you're not just gay. Um, also, uh, I honestly, I wish I went on like MySpace and found Christine, my co-host, years earlier, so we could have started the podcast before podcasts were a thing and like really hit that like high mark. Um, I would have uh, warned myself on just some of those stupider decisions I made. I was a reckless teenager. I didn't. I was reckless in an interesting way because I. I didn't drink and I didn't do drugs, but I was definitely friends with the whole party scene, and I ended up in some weirder situations so i would have warned myself for things like that but in terms of like a philosophical here's my moral that i'll i'll die on this hill i don't think i have one i think i would just said like really appreciate all of these fun memories like every fun memory you're having take a moment to try to remember the sounds the smells what's happening to you and just embrace this moment because it might not happen again i think that's really good advice so you do have the philosophical answer. Thank you. Well, usually when I, when I, what I, I suffer also with a lot of uh, like depression and anxiety. And one of my big triggers is nostalgia because I didn't appreciate it enough as a kid. So there are certain things where I'll look at a picture and I, I like completely transport myself back to that time. And I just think, wow, I can't believe I had no idea that that was like one of those memories I'll probably like flash back to when I see my life flashing before my eyes. So. Yeah, I I would say embrace all your little happy moments. That's that's really important. Well, thank you so much, Em. I've loved speaking to you, getting to know you. This has been a really, really awesome conversation. And thank um, you. I, no, I, I I'm sorry. I feel like I was such a chatterbox. I feel like I didn't even no, get to know about you. No, so. <laughs> we're here to learn about you. I mean, I the I this is all this is really all about you but where can um where can everyone find your podcast where can they follow you anything you want to throw out there i am on and that's well the podcast is and that's why we drink um and our socials are atwwd podcast my personal socials are vm schultz and uh that's about it. We uh, You should follow me on Instagram, uh, shameless plug, because I do a lot of fun uh, weekly content on there. Um, so if you like gossip, I host something called Tea Time Tuesdays. Um, I do uh, $5 giveaways every Friday if you drink my favorite tea from Starbucks. So just like random things like that. But uh, if you'd be interested, you can go find me at the M. Schultz. At the M. Schultz. Check it out. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Em. This has been so, it was really so wonderful to talk to you. And Oh, thank you. Yeah, and happy Pride. Afternoon Tea is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Our editor is Stacey Wong. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. 